I was going to ask. This is this is good banter. Welcome to another episode of A Muggle's Perspective. I am your host, Rogi. I am here with my friend, Brayden. Brayden, how the heck are you? I'm pretty heckin' good. Yeah. How are you? I'm, You know, I'm good. Uh, quarantined, but weather's looking up here in northern Indiana, so that's exciting. Yeah, it's a nice day out today. I it said it was going to rain all day, but... The public likes doesn't... us talking about weather at the beginning of all of our episodes. <laughs> It's relatable. Weather, stock market. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We are joined today by not one but two guests. Uh, recurring guest, my wife, Rachel. Rachel, Hi, are, you, are you there? Hi. Uh, Rachel is not only my wife, but also a patron. So she wanted to come on and discuss some good snogging this episode. Gross. Rachel, do you have any opening remarks? Uh, Rachel, Rachel does. <laughs> I was like, jump the gun, jump the gun. Just let's let's move on to Mitchell. He's this got some things awesome. to say. No, I'm so happy fun. about this. No, she didn't Rachel. have any opening remarks. She's glad that you gave her an out. We're also joined <laughs> by Braden's brother-in-law, Mitchell. Hello? Yeah, getting a little bit closer to the mic there, Mitchell. We'll work on it. Just like if you guys have your arms around each other the whole time, that would be perfect. I think snuggling, yeah. Mitchell. Has been a common topic of discussion in the history of this podcast. Um, a longtime listener, longtime caller. I feel like you, I feel like we've gotten a couple howls. Is that true? Have you called? No, no I've just called, called. I've just called Braden oh, to complain okay. about things. So that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Which most is, of my complaints are like. All we would he expect. has a he has a direct line of contact to me where he voices <laughs> complaints. Mm-hmm. So I'm honestly, if you're getting responses from Braden, then I'm jealous of your line of contact. <laughs> As his co-host. That would be really nice. You have to let me know. I, n- I never said I responded to the complaints. <laughs> okay, oh, he yeah, just, he just, he just kind of says, oh, okay, yeah, okay. That's, that's him. That's Braden. Oh, wrong button. That's Braden. Um, so Mitchell's here. Uh, what, did you, spe- you spend the night there in, where do you guys live now? Greenwood last night and decided to just uh, hop on the pod. Stick around, yeah. Brought over my new guitar, and we played last night. Wait, like your new Guitar Hero guitar, and that's what you guys played? No, no, Mitchell bought a new, really nice guitar. So I was like, bring that thing down here. Let's play it. Okay. And so So I went and got him some Ale Emporium wings. Shout out Ale. Hermanaki wings. This is not really content. Yeah. (laughs) There's one in Fishers, and there's one down here, so maybe. Okay. I mean, no. Uh, so, do you play guitar, Braden? Yes. Where has this information been my whole life? <laughs> Have you been trying to hide this from me? I thought you knew that. No, I, it's no not, you've been purposely... I'm not, I'm not like an extraordinary player. I just... Sure. I that's play. fine. You're no Steven Sells. <laughs> it's, it's a goal, but right. no, I'm not there. Right. Wow. Okay, so... There's just so many possibilities running through my head now. You're good. At, you're going to play guitar on the pod at some point. Probably a live show. Probably whenever we watch the next movie. 
I don't I don't know if I foresee that happening, but yeah, it's happening. Um, <laughs> I will I will write like a Harry Potter parody song, and you can play it on guitar. Okay, you have to sing it. Anna oh, that would be so it. cute! No, you and Brayden. If Brayden sings, I will definitely sing. I'm fine with He's that. He's gonna be playing the guitar. You can sing and play guitar. Mm. Dwight Schrute, mm. Stephen Sells, no, just to name the two most famous <laughs> people who've both sang and played guitar. Um, so this is a Harry Potter podcast where the whole point is that we all know what's going on in Harry Potter, and Brayden doesn't. Also, Hannah doesn't. Hannah's in the background here. May chime in from time to time. What's Mitchell's history with Harry Potter? I feel mm. like we need to uh, know that. I feel like I thought we had talked about it in the last two years enough, but uh, that, that is that's a good point. Mitchell, tell us about your Harry Potter background. Uh, I started reading it in middle school because I was not allowed to. Yes. yes. <laughs> so I read the first four books in secret, and then I got caught. So then I, I finished it. Yeah, so, so then I got in trouble and then finished it reading it at school. Just less in secret. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, after that, I watched all the movies. After after I read the whole thing, it was kind of just like, okay, whatever. At that point, he began dealing Harry Potter books (laughs) and paraphernalia. And things just have really spiraled since then. This is actually an intervention weekend. (laughs) Great. That's perfect. I want, like, eight Roger siblings to just walk out of the closet door right now and come sit. (laughs) There's two of them, like, literally 100 yards from here, so... It's not out of the realm of possibilities. I wasn't joking. So you are... What's your house? Slytherin. Confident, okay. He's a, he's a Slytherin. <laughs> Do you think that, and that fits you? You're like, yeah, I'm a Slytherin. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a Slytherin. Yeah. I thought for a long time I was a Gryffindor, sure. but that just doesn't, doesn't really fit. Yeah. Which, I, how many Slytherins have you guys had on the podcast so far? Um, Jacob... Um, oh yeah, Jacob is. Maybe Eric. Eric sees himself as a partial Slytherin. Um, you don't get a lot of self-identifying Slytherins. Chad, I feel like, is a Gryffindor. Pretty mm-hmm. strong Griff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carla's a Ravenclaw, right? If I remember correctly. Nate, I don't remember what Nate identified as. Joseph has never read the book, so he doesn't. <laughs> Joseph's probably a Ravenclaw. Maybe a Hufflepuff. Hannah. Hannah's a Slytherin, right? She's been on the pod. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hannah, you would identify as a Slytherin? Yes, yes. You would identify as a Slytherin? Me. Yeah. She gave a confident nod. Definitely a Slytherin. Uh, Rachel Gryffindor. So, yeah, not a lot of Slytherins. Yep. And you just kind of bonded with it as like a... You, know, you didn't just read it to spite them. You started reading it and liked it. You didn't like yeah. power through books you weren't enjoying just to spite your parents. No, like I got really into it mm-hmm. and like I knew my mom was always against it. So I would hide it and read it on the bus because we had like a 45 minute bus ride every day to school and back. So I had like an hour and a half every day to read. Nice. Which makes zero sense because you live like 10 minutes from the school. Not very yep. far, yeah. We were just the very last stop on the bus. So that's what I did. I read every day. I didn't have a phone until I was a junior in high school, so, mm-hmm. you know. What are you going to do? Was, not going to yeah, do your homework, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah, it got to the point where my mom would take books from me when I was grounded. Mm. So she would take my Harry Potter books or something like that. 
I've been there, but uh, it was my Left Behind series books, so, you know. Yes, I have read that. Yep. <laughs> All right. I don't think I was ever punished away from books. So that's why you guys have to have something that you at least claim to like more, so then you can fall back on the books. I mean, I was punished from video games. Yeah. That was about it. I was, if it got to the point where it was books, like, I was probably already banned from playing video games. Gotcha. Okay. I would just go to my room and start reading, which wasn't a punishment, because that's what I did anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so. Plus, we didn't have a TV half the time. Yeah, Hannah said we didn't have a TV half the time, so. Wow, Okay. So this is this stuff hits uh, home near and dear to Mitchell's heart. Um, in case for for whatever reason this is the first time you're listening to a Muggle's perspective, what we do is we read Harry Potter chapters and then discuss them. Got a couple little tropes that we like to use, couple um, different conversation starters. Uh, so basically, we're just jumping in here on chapter eleven of Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, Hermione's helping hand, and I've got four bullet points. We'll walk through them and see what you guys thought. Did you get a chance to reread this before recording today, Mitchell? I got to read a little bit, like mm -hmm. the first chapter and a half before we got on. And Braden, did you read these chapters? Always Absolutely not. Question. No? You listened? No, I did. I read them. I read all four uh, when I woke up this morning. <laughs> all right. That's the real reason we didn't record on Thursday, right? <laughs> Uh, no, I actually did help move a ton of huge ladders for my one of my other brothers-in-law. You have so many so, brothers-in-law. Yeah. yeah. And your brothers-in-law could form like a pretty sweet like seven-on-seven seven football team. Yeah. Uh, so that would require 14 of us to uh, play a game. You would, you would be one of, to play a, a game, okay, <laughs> I guess. We'll have to wait for a couple more weddings. Yeah. Before we can get but we're close. We're close. Yeah. You would? Would you play quarterback, or would Brock play quarterback? Mm, I think I would. Yeah. Got Brock was like would a. Brock, agree? Brock was a. I probably Brock was like a really athletic, um, receiver, like hybrid. Like he was a, a back and a slot receiver. Kind of an and just like like a move tight end. Yeah, just however you could get him the football. Mm -hmm. So. My, we would need someone else to just get him the football. I feel like the problem is you have a lot of speed, but you don't have a lot of, like, linemen. Yeah. It's true. I'll have to start eating more. That's the conclusion I was coming to, too. So Hermione's helping hand. Oh, man, I do not have the book in front of me. Rachel does. Rachel, do you want to open this chapter up? For no? Okay, you're giving me the book back. Thanks for all your uh, help with editing on this episode, Jessica. It's actually Rachel's helping really hand. It. Rachel's helping hand. Rachel, if you could just hold the book open for me, just in front of my face, I would really appreciate it. Uh, what I really liked about the start of this chapter mm -hmm. is how Harry was or Hermione was explaining to Harry like how he was like considered a ten now. Oh, we'll definitely get to that. That's a that's a big do we care. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought that was one of the first like. It is. It's, it is right here in the very beginning. Um, I just kind of opened this up by talking about we got those new potions books, and mm -hmm. I wondered, Braden, what you thought about Harry's plan for keeping his Half Blood Prince sort of copy. We also got the Daily Prophet. Didn't know if you had any thoughts about that. 
no real thoughts about the Daily Prophet. I really liked Sorry. Harry's plan to keep his book. Uh, switching the covers makes sense. I like that he's latched onto it and recognizes that, like, despite Hermione's um, objections, he needs to he needs to hang on to that thing. That's what I was gonna say. So you're Team Harry and not Team Hermione as far as it being dangerous or unseemly or immoral. Uh, Typically, Hermione's not wrong about those things, so I'm not saying she's wrong in that it's probably probably is dangerous. I don't think it's immoral. It was given to him. It's clearly meant for him. And he's offering it to other people. It's not like he's like, no, only I can know what's written in here and use it. Yeah, that's... Un- okay, my microphone keeps dropping. That's an underplayed part of this, I think, is that he's not being selfish with it. It's just circumstantially, he's the only one that can really use it. Mm-hmm. Well, Hermione doesn't want to. Well, and wouldn't you do it just to get Hermione to shut up? Because, like, if you found something that worked really awesome, and then here comes your friend, and is like, no, you shouldn't do that. I mean, I would just do it because, like, who are you to tell me? But I just got this book. Go away. I mean, that's you're just typical Slytherin. Your story of how you started reading Harry Potter is because other people didn't want you to. So, I mean, I think, it, yeah, typical Slytherin, I mean, it kind of depends on your mindset. I, for me, it's like you're five and whatever years into being super good friends with Hermione. You would have died many times if it were not for her, right, by now. So the fact that you're still just like, no, screw you, Hermione. Like, really? Screw you, Hermione? That's where we are? Okay. But, yeah, I don't I'm know. I'm not like... saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's an interesting mindset. I think this podcast gives Hermione a lot more credit than she deserves. Wow. Shots fired. Hot beef. <laughs> and coming out strong is anti-Hermione. I don't know. I, I'm Where's not anti-Hermione. Love? Where's the love for Pansy Parkinson, you know? <laughs> I, I mean, okay, so I'm a big, like, main character advocate. I feel like Harry does a lot more heavy lifting than Hermione. Harry's the one at the end of the day that is standing up there against Voldemort, not Hermione. Okay. So when Harry is there fighting Voldemort 1v1 and then Hermione gets MVP for the book, I'm like, <laughs> really? The, That's because Hermione is literally still taking care of all the Death Eaters so that way Harry could get to Voldemort. Like it Harry's just happened that way. One of the most powerful wizards who's ever lived, like face to face as a teenager. MVP is a regular season award, not a playoff award. <laughs> so you got to you vote on MVP. It's an 82 game season. Ah oh, so, man, I don't and know. Hermione, Hermione gets dubs, night in and night out. Hermione is the Giannis. Like, is but Harry LeBron? Maybe. Yeah, uh, definitely. Okay, that's fine. You don't you don't win without Harry. LeBron's like what the second best player of all time. Okay, you got Dumbledore I, and you got Harry, and like I respect that. But it doesn't I mean you're going to say you've got Dumbledore year. and you've got LeBron. <laughs> you've got Dumbledore. I mean, think like he's tall. He's got to he's got to have a good jump shot. Like he's he's going to be he's long. I see him as a, like a Kevin Love. <laughs> like the, the full court outlet passes. Yeah. He doesn't have the heft. I guess like later like prime Kevin Love. Early Kevin Love was like two Dumbledores in width. I see him <sighs> as like I see him as Bill Russell. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So Hermione's clearly the MVP of this chapter. I think we can all... 
<laughs> hey, can we just pause and let you maybe figure out your equipment here? Um, we're just I'm just going to mute me, and Rachel's going <laughs> to walk us through these first couple points here. Um, Rachel, let's talk about, on page 219, Hermione says, actually, if you could just read this quote um, from the top of page 219, Rachel. Oh, come on, Harry, said Hermione, suddenly impatiently. It's not Quidditch that's popular. It's you. You've never been more interesting, and frankly, you've never been more fanciable. Ron gagged on a large piece of kipper. Hermione spared him one look of disdain before turning back to Harry. Everyone knows you've been telling the truth now, don't they? The whole wizarding world has had to admit that you were right about Voldemort being back and that you really have fought him twice in the last two years and escaped both times. And now they're calling you the chosen one. Well, come on. Can't you see why people are fascinated by you? Harry got blushed and everything. Do I need to keep reading? Okay, so yeah, I like that because Hermione has literally had to explain to Harry, like, hey, like, these are the reasons, like, why you're a 10 now, and, like, people are okay with, like, hanging out and, like, wanting to do things with you, and I like that Ron was just, like, chiming in, because, like, she talked about later on about how, like, Harry's gotten taller and stuff, and Ron's like, I've gotten taller, I've grown up, and she just completely ignores him and keeps on going, so, yeah, I was amused by that. I would like to read the Merriam-Webster definition of fanciable at this point. (laughs) Able to be fancied, sexually attractive. (laughs) That is all. So are we thinking that Hermione is thinking that Harry is fanciable right now? Or just like explaining to him that like, hey, this is where you are? It's definitely what Ron thinks. Mm. I mean, it's got to be rough as Ron to sit there and listen to Hermione say that. She's trying to eat your kipper. And then she starts talking about fancying Harry. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I don't know. Hermione's really um, turned a corner here in this chapter. I feel like she's uh, expressing a little interest, but, you know, putting the bait out there for Harry, seeing if that takes. And later on in the chapter, she's also like, I don't know, Ron, maybe maybe it's us. She's kind of throwing it around to both of them. Yeah, she's just kind of like, I'm up for grabs, boys. Let's figure this out. I'm up for grabs, boys? <laughs> wow. I don't know. I don't, what do you, I mean, am I wrong? Listen, I'm still fixing my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> You've been watching me do this. You knew this was happening. This is actually going to be really convenient. Your sound quality has dropped significantly. Probably because it's unplugged. Probably because you were just tangentially hearing me through Rachel's microphone, which is four feet away from my face. Okay, uh, point two. Um, We get a lot of talk here in these next few pages. After We said we don't care about the Daily Prophet. And then we talk about... How we've got a lot of parents who are concerned for the safety of their kids. A lot of mail is coming in, you know, confirming that the parents are okay, checking on the kids. We've got kids getting taken out. Um, so what's what do we think the vibe is in the wizarding world at large right now as far as you can see, Brayden? Can you repeat the question? Hannah was informing me that a frozen piece is almost done. What's the brand? Classic. I don't... You don't know? All the freshetta has been bought out. We're in hard wow. times here wow. in quarantine. Wow. 
the real sacrifices are being made. Yeah. Um, so, um, in, yeah. Can you repeat the question? Um, what is the vibe that you're getting from the Wizarding World at large? Are we concerned about the amount of kids whose parents are really worried for them? Kids that are getting pulled out of school because their parents want to have them at home? Um. <laughs> what is the vibe of the Wizarding World? What would you say, Mitchell? Um, I don't know. I think people think things are looking up at the same time because, like, they talked about Harry being, like, famous and, like, there are still kids that are allowed to be at school. Mm-hmm. So, like, obviously I think people are freaking out, but I think a lot more people think that, like, Dumbledore is going to be able to stop him. Yeah, I mean, like Harry says – you're safer at Hogwarts than at home, really. There's Aurors, there's teachers, there's Dumbledore. So it's really a competing... There's like two competing sentiments. And it kind of goes back to what all of Order of the Phoenix was about, which is that Voldemort is working from the shadows. He's not out there in the open, so he's able to sow more chaos and fear that way. Now that he's out, more people are recognizing that he's out, so they're scared. But there's other people that are like, at least we, at least it's all on the table and we know what's up. Yeah, I think there's comfort that comes from having credible uh, news, mm-hmm. credible information. Mm-hmm. Like even if it's not, even if the information itself isn't like comforting, right? It's like like you said, at least you know what's actually going on, mm-hmm. and the enemy is out there, and like now you can prepare yourself accurately good um the rest of this chapter is pretty much taken up yeah i believe it is the rest of this chapter is pretty much taken up by quidditch practice quidditch tryouts so we just want to get some quidditch thoughts here Braden. um let's look at the team that harry ended up picking um i also specifically wanted to ask what did you think about the drills that Harry ran. If you're the, if you're the Quidditch captain, what are you gonna have people do in tryouts to figure out who you're gonna want on your team? Um, well, you need to test skills, endurance, and mental, like Quidditch IQ, right? Right. Those are my three big areas that I need to I need to evaluate. We know you've come out as being not really concerned about chemistry. You just want to get the most talent on the field. And so I respect that. On what did pitch, I say about that? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, we were talking about, you know, the the theory that you can have, like, one knucklehead on a really good team. Like, you can absorb a Dennis Rodman if you've got oh. really good chemistry. Yeah, every championship team has a nut job. So like that you- guy that's just a little bit off. Is that Ron? Um, no, it might be this um, McLagan guy. McLagan. Yeah. Maybe maybe he's that missing crazy guy. What are your thoughts on McLagan? What are your thoughts on McLagan getting confunded by Hermione? I don't. I don't appreciate that from Hermione. <clears throat> wow. Um. I like Ron. I'm a fan of Ron. I want him to be the keeper, but I want him to be the keeper because he's the best keeper, mm-hmm. not because the actual best keeper got confunded. 
Well, so... Oh, oh go ahead, Mitchell. Well, it sounds like it would have been a tie either way. That's what I was so going to say. So then Harry would have had to make a decision, and Harry's going to pick Ron. Right. So if it's a tie... You go to a keep-off? You go to a keep-off. Or you go to a different kind of challenge to test, like... You give him a, a written test? What's that test that, like, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick scored really high in? That all the NFL the wonder rookies lick. take? The Wonderlick. You give him the Quidditch Wonderlick. Yeah. The Wonderquid. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I We talked a little bit about this I think on the last episode. Like mm-hmm. I was hoping Harry would have come would approach being approach his captaincy with non-partiality, right? Yeah. I mean that's what you want like, if you're going to make sure you have the best team. Like I don't want him I don't I don't want him to just pick <laughs> his friends. I want him to pick the best players. And you're worried. What is that happening that's not- in the background? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Mitchell just stuck an entire cookie in his mouth, stared at the camera while eating it, and then realized it was too hot. And uh, also is trying to lean away from the mic so that he doesn't get crunching sounds into it, which I appreciate. No, let's get some crunching sounds. Would not be the first <laughs> ASMR we've ever had on this podcast. I'm eating a fried pickle. <laughs> Wait, that's really what you're eating? From ale that you think is not a real place. I'd oh my gosh, let's go to that. ale! I just said I didn't have any context for it. I love I don't know fried what pickles. It is. They're really good, Rachel. Oh my gosh, I want some. I don't like pickles in any context. Here. Do you dip them in ranch? My... He's just eating. Or do you just uh, eat them yes. plain? The oh ranch my gosh. has just arrived. Yeah, you don't. This is mine, though. I will kick you off this pod. I can't stop him, Mitchell. <laughs> Yeah, I'm at his house, though, so it's kind of rough. Yeah, he'll just sit Cooper on you. <laughs> Coop? Where is no, Coop? Cooper is actively passed out. <laughs> oh, shoot. I'm going to put my guitar on. Oh, yeah. Oh, shoot. Cooper pooped on my guitar. I got I to gotta clean that up. No. Okay, I'm going to run through. We're going to get back on track here. I'm going to run through the team that Harry ends up picking for this year real quick. Um, see if you mm-hmm. have any thoughts on any of them. We've um, got... My Rachel. thoughts real yes. quick? Yeah. Yes. Um, so I think Harry was like actively like, or I think that it was fair that he was annoyed that Hufflepuffs and Ravenclaws came to the tryouts. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, I mean, I guess their first years or third years. So like, he just doesn't know who they are and it's like, whatever. But like that they just like came on like as if to try out for Gryffindor. I was like, okay, come on. Like, well, this is pointless. It. Like, what the heck? But what if he found someone really good? Yeah, I'm kind of on that side too because if I'm a Ravenclaw and I think I've got potential in Quidditch and Harry Potter is the captain of a team, like screw it. I'm going to go show him what I got. Yeah. Would that be allowed? Yeah, it can't be allowed. Why not try it though? There's no way it's allowed. But why is but it McG- not? If you like don't McGonagall get loves Quidditch, so maybe she's like, hey, under the table, you're now a Gryffindor. What if, so let's say, let's just assume that the Ravenclaws have already picked their team, okay? And this person was the fourth chaser they didn't make the cut like you've you cut them they're a free agent now right no they're still part of the other team so they still they still own the rights to that player i think there should them in limbo this is a jr smith situation i think that there should be protocol in place that if you are cut Mm -hmm. like quidditch is this important Mm -hmm. (laughs) above education you should be able to transfer houses yes you have to wait a year yeah you do have to you have to wait a year (laughs) It's like high school. Would I be able to go try out for the North Montgomery football team? Yeah. 
You probably no, would. but the next but the next year you could right enroll in. in North Montgomery. The next yeah. year you could enroll. Yeah. But and I honestly, there's loopholes where you'd be able to enroll. I feel like I've we've heard of that happening. Yeah. Central Catholic actively recruited DJ Bird in high school. Mm-hmm. DJ Bird. That's a that's a, have we ever talked about DJ Bird? DJ Bird is like a running joke. Not that he wasn't good. He was obviously great at basketball, but just like how he always destroyed Carfordville's hopes and dreams. And then his Purdue career. It's like something that Eric and I talk about every year or so is DJ Bird. Yeah. DJ Bird, come on the pod. BJ Dirt. How well do you know DJ Bird? Almost not at all. <laughs> this is what I know about him. Okay. When I was a freshman, uh-huh. he was a senior. Right. And a, a, a kid in his class that hated him broke a tray full of food over his head in, in, at lunch one day. Wow. Like, got, got a lunch, which, what a slap in the face to the lunch ladies. And got a full lunch on his tray, lunch. walked out to the, like, the center aisle of the lunchroom, mm-hmm. stood over DJ Bird, wrecked his head, wow. and the tray, and the food. Huh. I would have never done that. Now we know. You would have eaten it first. I would have eaten it first, and then with, like, the leftovers the or, like, the scraps, yeah. then I would have done Maybe collected scraps from everybody else at the table and then gone and done it. But like Maybe he did. You know how these legends, you know, they change from person to person. Okay, you got Katie Bell, the returning. She's, like, a, a fifth-year Quidditch team member at this point. She flew really well. Um, you've got Demelza Robbins. <laughs> A uh, new addition. You've got Ginny Weasley. DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> what do you think about all-girl chasers on this first team? I don't think gender's a thing in Quidditch. Okay. Uh, it, it's just interesting pattern because we had all-girl chasers on Harry's original team. Alicia Spinnett, Angelina Johnson, Katie Bell. There's always been all-girls up until here a couple chapters from now. Next chapter, I guess. Um, you've got, um, what are their names? Jimmy Peaks and Richie Coot. Yeah, nailed it. Richie Coot, who looked weedy but aimed well. And Jimmy what, what, what is weedy? I think it's like scrawny. Like you shoot like up a, like a weed. Like wheat? Like are you saying weedy or wheaty? Weedy with a D. Duh, weedy. Oh. So it's like you shoot up like a weed and you're like, you know, stringy. Like, he needs to put on some weight. Like, it's a Thon McCurr, Manute Bowl, 7th Woods situation. Okay. But he aims well, which is what you want. Do you, would you rather he, have a he beater? He means well. Would you rather have a beater that aims well or is really strong? And every time mm. they hit it, it's like scary, oh, but man. you never know where it's going to go. Yeah, you would want aim, right? No, I feel like you just have to have a beater who's an animal because he even says, like, they're they're no Fred and George. Yeah. Right. You just have to have a couple people out there who are crazy and that's, are gonna that's do, where you want your crazy going to that's try. That's where you to want your Dennis Rodman kill somebody with the blood. Drink. Yeah, but if you can't, like, it's great to have Justin Herbert, a guy who can make all the throws, but he's got to have accuracy too. So, like, if that crazy guy like rips a ninety mile an hour bludger at your at a guy's head, but it goes six feet over, then it doesn't. Then it, I mean, like, it scares him maybe. That's exactly. There's an element of you, fear in this you, game. You make them scared to fly. So you'd rather have you'd rather have like an, an a quote an animal. 
an a- just an absolute animal. I think because so. well, and you can train them. You can be like, all right, tone down, tone it down a little bit. You know, can you teach accuracy? Be a little more. Yeah, you can teach accuracy. You can't teach the innate like you can't teach effort craziness that somebody has. Okay, I'm thinking of like you know the Baker Mayfield versus Josh Allen. Like Josh Allen's a bigger, stronger dude. That can throw the ball, throws can throw a fastball on every pitch, you know. And neither but, of them are very good. Baker Mayfield can throw can throw dimes, right? Gardner Minshew. Baker Mayfield can throw dimes if no one is within six feet of him. So you're out. You're out on Baker Mayfield. Wow, he's he's going to his third year. I'm I'm not saying the potential isn't there, but. The tendency of everyone, i.e. the media, is to, holy cow, he threw a touchdown in his first game as a professional. <laughs> He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Oh, it, it was about his like senior year and his charisma. Okay. Um, Rachel, any thoughts on Hermione confunding McLagan to get Ron a spot on the team? Is this out of character? I didn't think it was super Hermione. I was a little annoyed by it. Now, could Just you have seen Lavender doing it? I don't think Lavender would have done it successfully. But, okay. So, no. So it's out of I character I think she would have, like, started. I think Lavender would have started to do it and then it gotten, like, started giggling. And then it would have just messed up and, like, the hoop would have fallen over or something. She would have confunded the, the hoop on accident. Yeah. Do, so do we see this? Does this team live up to the expectations that we were hoping? Do we see this as being a really good squad? I don't. I think you've got some weak points, and I don't know that Harry is in a place right now to make objective decisions. Objective is decisions. This, so are you coming at this even after Chapter 14, Felix Felicis, where we saw their first match against Slytherin? I mean, I don't want to step on that. I mean, let's yet be honest. Let's be honest. We're going in the for end, Gryffindor's always going to win. Mm. But that's because they have the best team. They've that's won, JKR won Quidditch Cup fighting. in five years. They didn't have Quidditch oh. last year. Okay. Tr- uh, no, they did have it last year, and they got smoked because Harry got banned for life. They didn't have it fourth year. They won third year. They lost first and second year. I think from here on out, though, Gryffindor is always going to win. You think? Yeah. From here on out. So so three out of seven years, three out of seven books, they win. And we're, like, writing them off as, like, oh, there's no tension. There's dynasty. no questions. So this, are the Spurs a dynasty? They never won back-to-back. Yeah, the Spurs are a dynasty. No. Okay. Harry is a dynasty. <laughs> Gryffindor themselves are not a dynasty. You guys are talking about Hermione too much again. <laughs> Here's what I like. When I read a story, I want to see some boys, you know? Get these girls out of here. <laughs> Were there any girls in the Fellowship of the Ring? No. Guys. If Legolas was a girl, lame. Get a girl dwarf. Shut it down. That is not it at all. Give me some manly men. Yeah, it wasn't it. I just I just made that up. Okay, we've got confunding. We've got... The tri- we, you didn't give me any trials. All he has him we do is... We need to get out of Chapter 11. <laughs> no, we don't. We're, they, we're spending the whole pot in Chapter 11. He has him just fly around the pitch real quick. Um, do you, I like to think that he's got, like, barrels set up. Like, when you're barrel racing for 
horses, and you have to like zigzag in between. You've got some agility drills. Is that he makes clock- sense. Is he clocking like their speed? How fast they can throw a quaffle? Is he Mitchell? I don't know. Is the bench press just like the the good old bench press? It's is just the NFL here? combine. Yeah, you got your broad jump, forty yard dash, your three cone, shuttle run. Yeah, uh, hand measurements. Hand size is huge it's in Quidditch. Huge Quidditch. You got a big old big old quaffle. Can't catch it with little hands. Rachel, would you? What position would you play on a Quidditch team? I would Keep play mind, tiny hands. Lee Jordan's role with keeping the score and announcing. Pop, pop. <laughs> useless role. Announcer is useless. Yeah, useless. What if you're calling out the Slytherins for cheating, which he does repeatedly? What if you curse <laughs> on Mike, which he does repeatedly? <laughs> Rachel, what position would you actually play though? Like on the on the pitch. I can't I d- picture Rachel I don't think I would be able to play a position on the pitch. And so that's why I went for Lee Jordan's role. Because, like, when I did sports in high school, I played volleyball for one year because I had to. Uh-huh. And then I was the, like, manager for the basketball team What's in college. What's the manager and in for the Quidditch school. team look like? You got to wash those robes. They're always practicing. You got your Quidditch robes. You practice it in the rain. You get muddy for some reason. You chalk the brooms because their hands get sweaty. So, like, when there's a timeout, you throw chalk all over the brooms. The broom handles. <laughs> the manager is somebody that gets beat up and they have to put all the balls away. So they just leave like the balls that fly around everywhere and the manager has to fly around and catch the snitch, catch the bludgers, put themselves in, at risk after everybody okay. leaves and spend hours and hours just trying to put those balls away. I feel away. like Wood used to do that. I feel like Wood, as the captain, would take that on himself. Or it's just like by position group. Like beaters, you got the bludgers. Do we know that Wood actually went to school? No. <laughs> like, or did he just live in the locker room? It's it's not clear. No, McGonagall put him out of McGonagall class. McGonagall does pull him out of class yeah. at one point. That's true. To introduce him to Harry and say, here's your new seeker. Because she was like, why are you out of the locker room? What? <laughs> she goes to the Go locker back. room first and is like, I can't find him. Good thing I have a tracker on him. Like, oh, why is he sitting in defense against the dark arts? Quarrel's class. Why is he sitting in Voldemort's class? I think <laughs> if I was anything, I would probably be... The seeker. Is that what Harry does? That right? is what Harry does. Yeah. That would be the most important one, I guess, if I had to choose. <laughs> no, like, it's not the most important one because even if you catch a snitch, it doesn't mean you're going to win. Yeah, it makes up for 15 goals. Okay. How many times has that happened that Look, someone caught the I'm not going to be win? able to fly twice and, like, hit a bat That's at accurate. someone accurately True. or be able to hold a ball uh-huh. and throw it That's through a small That's why I was thinking hook. keeper. No, I can't. Are you kidding me? Too many things flying around. No. There's one thing to focus on. That's it. No, you got to be able to dodge the bludgers, too, because you're the target of everybody's attacks. Not everybody's. Mm, okay. But are yeah. you agile, Rachel? Are you mobile? You have to be super agile to be a seeker. Are you hostile? <laughs> <laughs> if I need to be, yes. I would argue that, Let's make like, it clear. Rachel's not right in the room. <laughs> Rachel's Neville. I ride a broom side saddle, like just to like get yes. up to the top of a building, and that's it. Yeah. Rachel's riding a festival side saddle, like Luna. <laughs> I 
Yeah. Uh, we've got one more point for this chapter, unless anyone has any more thoughts on Quidditch tryouts. Okay, can, oh, I just have one. Yes, can please. Can we bring up the fact that yep. there were people that couldn't even fly mm -hmm. that mm. were there to try out for the team? Yeah, I mean, like, you want to, you just, you want to be there. It's Harry Potter's the captain. It's like Braden said with the um, Ravenclaws and stuff coming out. Harry Potter's the captain. You're a first year. You know, you're a Gryffindor. It's like, this is what you're doing. It's a Saturday morning. What else are you going to do? Mm, I don't think my point applies here. I no. think there's there's got to be like some sort of registration for tryouts, and like that's question one a. Can you fly? Yeah, until so you lie. That's fine. And then that's why Harry makes you fly around the pitch once, and you disqualify. No, you yourself. hold the you you hold the registration room in somewhere that you can only get to by flying on broom. <laughs> you have it at the top of like a tree or the astronomy tower or something. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea. That is a good, that is a good idea. I want Quidditch tryouts to not be skill-based. I want them to be like a an escape room. You have to solve a series <laughs> of riddles that involves you like... It, that, that's how you test your Quidditch IQ. Your iQuidditch. Yep. George, George quit it. George is being annoying. Um, okay, we get to Hagrid's. Hagrid is ticked that they weren't taking care of magical creatures. Do we... This, is, this isn't an official do we care, but do we care? He comes around. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Not really, because he comes around. All right. Um, he Does he bring up any points? Does he inform us of anything? Oh, Aragog is dying. Do we care about that? No. Mitchell's a hard, hard no, bud. And Mitchell's read it, so he knows whether it's important or not. Did you? Were you going to care, Braden? Um... Isn't Aragog, like, kind of the owner of the Forbidden Forest? Like, he runs things? I mean, yeah, like, the head spider. of the Spider Mafia is going to have a Split lot to up. say in what goes on. Between him and, like, the Centaurs, I feel like. Yeah, but the Centaurs never tried to eat Harry, and they're not disgusting, horrible spiders. They considered murdering him. Is Mitch and Rogie on the same page about and spiders? Braden. And Brayden. And Brayden? We're all on of the same you? page about spiders. Yeah, nobody here likes spiders. <laughs> In fact, if you're listening and you like spiders, just get out. <laughs> Good movie. Get out. Really enjoyed it. All right. Um, you didn't like Get Out? <laughs> I didn't see Get Out. Yeah, I've never seen it. We'll have to watch it. After we do a patrons-only episode on Get Out. Um, okay, a couple do we cares. Do we care about the Aguamenti charm they're supposed to be practicing for Flitwick? Create water. The water-making charm. Don't look at Mitchell. Do you care? He knows whether or not he cares. Um, yeah, seems like it'd be a useful charm. Okay. <laughs> Why not? You're thirsty, you get some water. Yeah. Um, Especially like Quidditch, you don't even have to take a timeout anymore. <laughs> um, we already talked about Hermione calling Harry fanciable. We we defined fanciable. I think that's the point of this episode. So we care. You feel like you kind of care. Yeah. This is this is pretty like. I don't. I feel like I would have described Hermione in terms of, um, like relationships and attraction as very conservative mm -hmm. 
So you don't see this as just her stating facts? Like, listen, it's not for me, but like, like objectively, you are fanciable. You are more fanciable than before. And you've risen up. Like, I have a chart of the ranks, and you've risen up them. Based on do you think teenagers speak in those in the? Do you think teenagers speak in the under those? I'm sorry, I thought we were talking about Hermione Granger. You don't think she has a chart? So are you saying she's incapable of being attracted to Harry? No, no. I'm. What I'm saying is that I I I thought that that might have been a an angle you could have looked at it where she wasn't saying I am attracted to Harry, but she was just saying objectively you are fanciable, and that's not how you took it, which is fine. You're taking it as coded for her being like hey i'm taking it as jkr has written in a lot of like little stuff like this to make you wonder they've kissed before like on the cheek she's given a kiss on the cheek they've held Mm -hmm. hands i respect it um do we care about lavender i think that's not really fair as we go forward we're going to talk more about lavender later i would imagine yeah i don't I guess for me, Lavender is just kind of like a... Like, that's not a that's not going to last. Okay, just a fling. Yeah. Um, do we care about Arthur going and searching the Malfoy's house, not finding anything cool? Yes. That means they've moved stuff and they're hiding it. Okay. So you're, we're st- we still think that there's something... The Malfoy's up to something. Yes. I mean, you know they are, 100%. Harry knows for a fact they are. Ron and Hermione don't agree. Harry has, They're not MVPs. Yeah. Harry <laughs> has Hermione's like, trophy case. Scoreboard, bro. Harry has seen Malfoy as a Death Eater talking to Voldemort. Did he say that? To Voldemort? He's seen Lucius Malfoy as a Death Eater. Lucius Malfoy, yeah. yeah. We all so agree going that Lucius to the Malfoy's Malfoy. house. Yeah. But we, Lucius, Lucius, Lucius is in jail. Is in, in jail. Yeah, he's in jail. And Harry thinks that little Draco Malfoy has something that he's sorry, trying to get lo, fixed. Little Draco? Little Draco. Your boy, little Draco. Moneymaker Mac. Um, he thinks that Draco Malfoy has something at home that he's trying to get fixed by Borgen and or Burke. It's got to be Burke. Borgen's dead. No. Burke's dead. Burke's dead. It's got to be Borgen. Uh, yeah. It. Yeah. Um, and so Harry's like, let's go find it. Maybe it's at the Malfoy's house. But they didn't find anything. So the question is, is Harry paranoid? No. He has more than enough reason to be suspicious. Okay. And that's I'm fine. just wondering why he hasn't killed Malfoy yet. This, so illegal. this, yeah, this is uh, Ben Mitchell's question to me, like pretty much since this podcast started. Harry is lawful. Like three dead. chapters in. So why do you think Harry hasn't actually killed Malfoy yet? I guess I guess he's maybe chaotic good, but he's definitely good. Who, Malfoy? Harry? Harry. Yeah, Harry's good, but he's like at what lawful. point do you do you say, okay, I think Malfoy's, you know, getting in with the Death Eaters, who I have seen kill many people, okay. people that I love more than anything in the world. Uh-huh. So I'm going to take Malfoy down to the Chamber of Secrets, kill him, and then nobody will ever know. Um, I have two thoughts. One is that you led with, I think Malfoy's getting with the Death Eaters. But like, I don't know, it seems like he probably is. I should probably kill him to be safe. Like, that's a stretch. That's exactly. Death Eater behavior. What separates the good guys from the Death Eaters, then? If you're just killing people because you think that maybe they're evil. Well, Harry's good not guys, the best Good guys have, right have consciences and, and codes yeah. of conduct. Second of all, 
I couldn't agree with you more about underutilizing the Chamber of Secrets. That is a space That's... in Hogwarts that only Harry can get to. Miles beneath the school. And yeah. maybe Ron. Ron's been there. It's Miles beneath the school. Why didn't they have their stupid um, Order of the uh, DA. DA, Dumbledore's Army meetings down there? I brought this up to Braden many times. Maybe the only argument I can see is because there was a cave-in and the tunnel on the way down. No, but Hermione they could can fix that. that. Hermione yeah. does ma- can do magic. Unlike Harry. That's my biggest beef with the whole series is how you have literally the coolest. I don't know. You have the coolest, like, old historical, like, place. Racist. Built by Salazar Slytherin himself. Yep. And you're going to be like, eh. Salazar Slytherin, the god. (laughs) Salazar Slytherin, like, like, guy who everyone looks up to. Well, okay, no, but like he's a historical. Our fearless figure. leader. <laughs> he's a historical. Fi- the same way that like Hitler is a historical yeah. figure. I feel like you could get people down there. You could tell them about mudbloods and how they're you know <laughs> overreaching, and you could really well, you get some indoctrination okay. going. You can't tell me if I took you down to like an old World War II bunker, and I was like, "This is a Nazi bunker," but uh-huh. isn't it really cool? I would say that it historical is historically value. In, yes, historical value interesting. Yes, I mean like there's I'm like I absolutely see the value in visiting Auschwitz or um, Birkenau and places like that. But if it's it, like a bunker, you know, all of the, the that guy's dead. You're not using it for those evil purposes right. unless you're using it for good evil purpose, like killing Malfoy. I think that's a good one. But, <laughs> using it for whatever. good evil purposes. But it's a necessary evil. I but think... I don't think inherently the place is bad. I don't think that. I agree with that. I think it is. I think it could be a useful location. You could yes. you change the name to Dumbledore's Chamber. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So for the record, Rogi is now in agreement with Mitch yes. that Harry should kill Malfoy no. in the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> no, I'm saying Harry should. Uh, utilize that's what you said. Chamber. That's what I said. I said two points. One, we shouldn't be killing Malfoy just based on that. speculation. Not without like, like I'm in favor of trial by trial by jury. Okay, I need Dumbledore to pronounce that Malfoy is murder, deserving of murder before Harry kills him. No, no, because Dumbledore's never gonna say that. Okay, so maybe he doesn't long, deserve to be. He has killed. a differing opinion, so yeah. we don't ask him. How long? How long did it take Dumbledore to take care of Voldemort? How long did it take Sirius Black sitting in jail for 15 years, falsely accused? Kind of sucked. Kind of sucked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if they had so just any... killed him, that would have been bad, right? Okay, but serious. There was no like. There was a trial. Yeah, it was. It was a sham. Yeah, and so you want even fewer trials. It was a trap. Yeah, but Malfoy has been known to be just the worst. <laughs> <laughs> that you're not going to hear any disagreement about. Malfoy is the worst, except for maybe Umbridge. Oh, okay. No, yeah. Should yeah, Harry have I, killed Umbridge? Yes, a hundred percent. You gotta make it look like an accident. Harry should have poisoned Umbridge, and that I agree with you on. Harry should have blackmailed Umbridge to to where she had she had to kill Malfoy, (laughs) or other way around. Either well, I don't care. Get rid of both of them. Yeah. Anyway, that's my that's my whole thing. Malfoy shouldn't be allowed to live, and Umbridge, yeah, should (laughs) either rot in a jail cell for the rest of her life or. I hate Umbridge. Uh, the Umbridge 
Umbridge is wild. We'll just leave it I at can't, that. I can't. It, we, that, there's yeah. only so much more Umbridge talk than we can have. Centaurs, right now there's some centaurs. We're going to get some calls from some centaurs that are offended that you think that they eat humans. Because they're like, we're like centaurs give off strong vegan vibes to me. Really? Or at least vegetarian. I don't see centaurs as plowing down. I mean, horses eat oats and hay. Definitely steak And vibes apples and sugar cubes. Carrots. No. I, see I get carrots. Vibes. That's a good one. I see centaurs as eating like cooked versions of what horses eat. Some nice hearty you vegetable stew. Yeah, yeah, like a. I'm thinking like a beef stew. I'm thinking like those dudes are just chilling out, like being dudes. Like vibe. got Rogie's beard. <laughs> just, just guys being dudes. They're, just bros, they're bros not wearing guys. clothing. I'll tell you that right now. They yeah, are, got, they're unclothed. They have the bows. I guess they've got their bows and arrows, and they're not just using those for protection. They're using those for hunting. And they need their protein. They do need protein because those guys are sitting around a fire. Pounding butter beers, <laughs> telling stories, just smashing on some beef stew. <laughs> you don't see them as eating like, like a big old portobello mushroom, like a like portobello <laughs> mushroom burger, like a big old oh. mushroom steak. I think they would react like Ron did to that. They would choke on some kipper. Yeah. <laughs> are there what girl? Are there female centaurs? It has to be. Okay. Or do they yeah, but clothes? they're they're like Madge from the office in the warehouse. <laughs> do they wear clothes? I I don't think we're at liberty to answer that. I doubt it. I would I would heavily doubt that. Okay, so do they look like men from the waist up then? No, they probably look like women, but it's like you know how like African Just tribes a tribal that, thing. Okay. Yeah, like yeah, tribes that have never been interested. Like yeah, it's not. All right, Britain and I are ready to move it. on. Yeah, we got to move on. Sorry. Uh, Mitch and I are clearly starting our own pod where we really <laughs> deep dive <laughs> into my Into Centaur Life. <laughs> centaur Life. But I don't think it has to be. So could a centaur make it down to the Chamber of Secrets? I say yes, but it would they would hate it. You have to slide down into the Chamber of Secrets, and you don't want to send a horse down a slide. In my limited horse experience. Everyone knows that. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard... Isn't it a thing that cows can walk downstairs but not back up them? Is that a thing? I've heard it. I've heard it said. Can't confirm or deny that. Uh, Chapter 12 of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Silver and Opals. 55 minutes in to this podcast. Yeah, we may have to cut out some of your Dewey Cares here. I've only got three. I guess I've got four bullet points here, but they're quick ones. So we're just we're just getting unfiltered, just braiding thoughts. And if we don't care, we don't care. All right? And I have fewer do we cares for all these other chapters. I did the first one. So, Chapter 12, Silver and Opals. Um, we open up with Harry reading um, just spells out of his copy of Advanced Potion Making. We get some Half-Blood Prince stuff. He uses Levy Corpus. He remembers that his dad used that spell. Where are we on his dad being the half-blood prince? This was interesting. I had not considered James. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think James is the half-blood prince. Why? I think it's Tom Riddle. He's a half-blood. Yeah. That's so all then, I have to say about that. How did James get his hand on this spell? 
because James was secretly really good friends with Tom. Yes. Uh, so Tom Riddle, as a middle-aged man, just really befriended James Potter in his youth. Why do you yeah, think it it's a, Tom? He's a half-blood. Oh, that's it? <laughs> so clearly it's not. No, I was just curious like how you how we came up with that. Yep, basically just because he's half-blood. And at this point, I've stopped like trying to reason into predictions and okay. just making them blindly. Okay. Which we can all be excited about. I've been try I've been trying to coax that out of Braden. I basically gaslighted him into just only making unfounded predictions. Okay. Sorry. Don't be sorry. Um, so we get Ron flipped upside down. Hermione's still worried about it. We've discussed how little we care about Hermione's worries about this book. Uh, we go to Hogsmeade. Are you surprised that we get to go to Hogsmeade? Are you hungry? How's the pizza? Is it as good as Freshetta? And why not? It's pretty good. It's not Freshetta, but it's pretty good. Um, it's pretty good. It is a little interesting that they get to go to Hogsmeade. <clears throat> Seems like that would be the kind of place that you wouldn't want. Like I just feel like in these times, it's kind of similar to what we're living through. Like You wouldn't want people just like out and about gathering. got to be social distancing right when you know there's yeah. death eaters out there. You need to be six feet from Voldemort at all times. <laughs> um, and the Death Eaters get it. They wear masks. <laughs> yeah, they're way ahead of their time. <laughs> so we try to go to Zonko's. Zonko's is closed. We don't have much of an emotional attachment to Zonko's, so we're kind of moving past that. We get to go to Honey Duke's. Um, that's there. Now, we do see Mundungus. That's a whole bullet point I have. Your thoughts on Mundungus, um, Robbie and Harry, from that, the stuff that he took from Sirius's house? Well, we learn in the next chapter that Voldemort likes trophies. Mm -hmm. So I think Mundungus is now working for Voldemort. He's just oh, grabbing wow. him some trophies. He's just snagging... So th this is just literally a trophy like, oh, man, remember how I got Sirius Black killed? Let me get a memento from Sirius Black's house to commemorate that orchestration. Or maybe he was like, go get some stuff from that house that Harry owns now. Mm -hmm. Bring it back so I can, like, bewitch it yeah. with some stuff, like yeah. some, some spying spells maybe. Nice. And then go ahead and place it back in there so that when Harry goes in there... Maybe with some guys from the Order or something. We can spy. We can gain some info, some intel. Here, you know, that reminds me that spying spell concept. We haven't really discussed it much as far as like bugging or, you know, nanny cam or anything like that. When I read in this next chapter, The Secret Riddle, when, when Dumbledore does the thing where he just flicks his wand and it makes everything that was stolen shake, I was like, how does that magic work? We can just do magic like that? Like being stolen is a concept, you know? And so it's, it seems like sort of in that same vein of things that you could just be like, oh, I invented a spell so that people can't be killed by Voldemort. Or I invented a spell that makes Voldemort's, you know, makes all the Death Eaters' wands snap in half. Like, like conceptual things. So, and we can cut this because this won't be helpful for the, the podcast, but that's my whole, like, 
why I've never gotten into Harry Potter before mm-hmm. talking on this podcast is like the whole idea of magic is just like well you can dodge spells you can dodge a wrench but you <laughs> a, do- a spell is a physical thing you mm-hmm. see that a lot yeah people get hit by spells people get knocked back by spells so you can't just be like okay blanket spell everybody's affected by this bam but you can charm objects and is that what Dumbledore's doing there's still limits on what a spell can do. There absolutely are limits. I totally agree with that. You've got Gamp's laws of elemental transfiguration. You can't just make food. You can't just make money. Um, but you can make things that were stolen vibrate. And you can turn goblets into microphones? Yeah. See that I don't know. You lose me with that. Like, why? Why are there l- limits on magic, anyways? Why are there? Well, there has to be. I mean, there's no. Limits. There doesn't. It's yeah, magic. There's limits on the force, but I mean, like from a writing perspective, um, as the creator of something, like in order to write it, you know, we can't just get to the end of the book and it's like, and then Harry remembered the biggest spell of all, and he cast it, and all the Death Eaters <laughs> were immediately good again. Like you can't. So from a narrative perspective, I mean, it's the same in any sci-fi or fantasy world. There are like why is it why are the limits on technology? Why don't we have flying cars? Why don't we have self-tying shoes? Why don't we have hoverboards? Why are all my futuristic references from Back to the Future? The biggest spell of all is love, by the way, Rogi. <laughs> A good hug. <laughs> preaching to the preaching to Dumbledore's choir. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um so when in creating any kind of magical world, I mean it's the same in Lord of the Rings, it's the same here. There's li- there's limits there's limitations on it because it's just another like force of nature. I mean it's just like in the the very first chapter right when they met the minister the regular minister minister prime minister of England and he's like I don't understand how you guys have bad stuff going on you can do magic right and that's where you're coming from is you can do magic the problem is the bad guys can do magic too so like it's not just infinite ease like she's cra- crafted a concept of magic that has limitations that has physicality and it has duality i mean why do you have to learn spells instead of just being able to say them and the thing happens like that's how this world works okay i don't like it but i accept it i have nothing to add or take away from what you've said (laughs) that's that's good to know so we think Mundungus is on Voldemort's side now. Yeah, why not? Can't think of a reason. Because he's too scared of Dumbledore, I guess. Um, and then I just want to get your thoughts. I'm opening up this last half of the chapter to you to talk to me about what you think happened with Katie Bell as far as this necklace situation, as far as her being what cursed possessed. Who knows? Um, Walk me through it. I I don't know. I mean, I think it has to do with Draco. I, like I kind of believe <laughs> the fact that he's just even alive is annoying. Um, I think I don't. I guess I'm not having that hard of a time believing Harry's line of thinking and all this that like Draco's behind moving this necklace and 
um, I guess just it's kind of working for Voldemort, like maybe like an internship. Need <laughs> um, internship. Yeah. Maybe he'll get a temp job. Mm-hmm. So you're undeterred by McGonagall's assertion that she had Malfoy in detention all day. No, because people can appear to be the people you think they are, but they're not. We learned that a couple books ago. Oh, wow. So she's got Goyle taking Polyjuice Potion to look like Draco to sit his detentions for him? Draco had Goyle take the potion yeah, so that he looks like Draco Uh while Draco can go out and do do Voldemort's bidding. Or is it just a pre-planned alibi? It's a, what if it's a prestige situation and Draco has a twin? Dorko. Darko. <laughs> Darko. There's a fanfic about that. Really? Yeah. Draco's Darko. got a twin. It's actually not bad. Four out of five wands. His name was Darko? Was his name Darko? Um, no, it was some other Latin thing. I can try to find it. So you're convinced that there's... It was Josho. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really good. Where's the, where are my buttons? Nope. It's gonna take some time to realize. Wow, I didn't know where that was going at first because I didn't remember the theme song to Drake and Josh. Now, if, raise your hand if you've been told that you look like Josh Peck. This guy. I got told Drake, so we could do our own nice. Drake and Josh. Drake and Josh. Draco, Draco and Josh. Draco and Josh. Yeah. That's what we'll call our podcast that literally no one will listen to, including Braden and Rachel. <laughs> Absolutely zero people are listening to this podcast. It's about centaur life. It's, Draco and Josh. Three references deep just to get it on the ground floor. Okay. Um, we think it was Draco. McGonagall doesn't believe it. Dumbledore doesn't believe it. Leanne is here. That's a name we have to know now. We met a Leanne. She's like one year older than Hermione. They've been going to the same school for five and a half years now. And she's like, hi, you're a L? L something? Leanne? Right? Is that right? Like, come on. I don't feel like Hermione really puts a whole lot of effort into, like, things that aren't directly related to her education. Including... Fancy ability charts. Yeah. She, she pays attention to Ron and Harry and Victor Crumb. <laughs> and that's it. And Hagrid. Yeah. She didn't, didn't take his class. Could be more committed. Yeah. Any other thoughts on this chapter? Oh, we do get some snogging at the end. Um, Real quick. This necklace, Harry remembered seeing it four years ago. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is a thing. Like, I just... blaming Malfoy for stuff like that. And he remembers Malfoy seeing it. Yeah. He's like, oh, actually, I remember this exact moment when this happened. Like, I'm not really going to buy that Harry remembers this necklace from four years ago. Like, I don't know. I just, it seems like odd for him. Do you have any concrete memories of pieces of jewelry from when you were 12 years old, Mitchell? 
uh, my mom's ring, like her okay. wedding ring that she wore on her hand. All right. But like you saw that regularly and not once in a dark shop where you were hiding? Uh, there's like necklaces that I remember from like being a kid. Like, yeah, like if I saw a necklace that was like one of a kind and then, and I, especially if I saw it in, um, I don't know where he saw it at. Where he works. Yeah. He got, when he got sent there accidentally, that's a horrifying experience. It's burned into his brain. Yeah. Well, plus here's my thing. He's been thinking about every single thing he knows about Borgen and Burks for like six months, ever since he saw Malfoy go back in there. So he's been ready to drop like, ah, remember there was a weird hand. (laughs) And I saw like a, a sarcophagus. Is there, are there any sarcophagus-related <laughs> hijinks anyone's going to get up to? I can blame on Malfoy. So, I think he's been... I think he's had this one in his back pocket. Is why I can buy it a little bit. Um, do we care about Ginny not hanging out with him because she has to go hang out with Dean? She's got to go snog, snog with Dean. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's the implication. Do we do we care? Per- Evidently, Harry cares. Harry Carey. Hairs. Can I get your? Can I get you doing Harry Carey talking about Ginny snogging Dean? Uh, well, I gotta figure out what he would say. How old are they again at this point? Uh, Fifteen and sixteen. Ginny and Dean. Fifteen and sixteen. Holy cow! What I would give to be 16 again and go down in the hallway and snog. And, and afterwards, relax with a cold, refreshing Budweiser. Butterbeer. It was right there. Butterbeer. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. And this has been Braden doing Harry Carey doing Harry Potter talking about Ginny and Dean snogging. The content that you all came here for. Chapter 13, The Secret Riddle, we get our second memory chapter, is mostly what this chapter is about. We really get right down to Dumbledore and Harry. It's pretty much, it's a bottle episode. We're just talking Dumbledore and Harry. Um, Before the lesson, Harry asks Dumbledore about Malfoy, about Mundungus, about how Katie Bell's doing. Do you have interest in any of those topics? Dumbledore's like, no, it wasn't Malfoy. I don't care. Stop talking about that. We have memories to read. Hmm. If Dumbledore doesn't care, I don't care. Okay. That's just my blanket statement. All right. Um, Mitch feels that I should have cared about some of those things. <laughs> well, if Mitch, Mitch can, Mitch and I, our podcast is going to be about, it's going to be complaining about this podcast. It's going to be talking about it. <laughs> It's like, you know how um, Key and Peele do that bit like at the end of a lot of their videos where they're like reviewing the videos and they're other dudes and they're like, man, I, was, I thought it would have been funnier if they had like a poop joke in there. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I haven't seen that, no. no they're that good. sounds awesome. It, it is yeah. awesome. It's like Key and Peele reaction videos with them like okay. wearing their do-rags and stuff. Like them just sitting in a bedroom, <laughs> just like reacting. And like I need, trying I need to make to him funny. They're good. That's what it'll be like. It'll be called Draco and Joshua. So we get some before they jump into the memory, Harry, I'm on page two sixty two here. Two sixty one, two sixty two. 
um, Harry and Dumbledore are talking about how Voldemort ended up in this orphanage, about Merope. You know, Tom Riddle leaves her. She has the kid. She dies um, just after childbirth. Harry is surprised that she wouldn't make an effort to stay alive for her son. Do you have any takeaways from that stuff? Rachel? Braden? Mitchell? I mean, I think that's fair. It's like, whoa, she's got a kid. Like, what's going on? But Are we implying that she could have, like, willed herself to live? That is what Harry seems to be implying. Um, well, here, Via magic? Is that what he means? Here on page 262... In any case, as you are about to see, Merope refused to raise her wand even to save her own life. And Harry says she wouldn't even stay alive for her son. Is that um, a rule in magic? And then Harry says he's not feeling bad for Voldemort, but she had a choice, didn't she? Not like my mother. So the implication, and Dumbledore doesn't, you know, dissuade it, is that if she'd really if she'd wanted to she could have, I mean, maybe done something as far as, you know, we don't know how she died, um, but it sounds kind of like a Padme situation, like a broken heart, sort of lost the will to live kind of thing. She could have done some kind of magic to fortify herself, um, whether that's blood loss or, you know, I mean, I don't know. Um, and she chose not to. She was greatly weakened by long, long suffering and never had your mother's courage, is what Dumbledore says. I don't know. I don't really get... I guess I don't really... That doesn't make sense to me that, like... Oh, well, you should have just used magic to keep yourself from dying. Like That that seems like what we were talking about earlier, one of those, like, unwritten rules of magic. Like, well, you can't... You can't bring... Because then no the one dead. would ever die. Well, there's magical... You know there's magical healing. I mean, there's Madame Pomfrey... There's but that you can do it to yourself mm -hmm. if you're skilled enough and there's basic stuff that you can do. I think it's just like also setting up precautions because she had him in an orphanage. Right. So like there just must have not been much help from that. So like I think she could have set herself up for better success, but like didn't there do could have any been a of way that for her to make money and get food instead of going to the orphanage and having a kid and like waiting until it was to that point. Maybe is kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I guess that's fair. Um, I always think when I read this page, you see the bias that comes through. Whenever Harry talks about parenthood, he's like super gung-ho, like parents never leave their kids. Um, parents should you know, do whatever it takes, make sacrifices and stuff like that because that's, all, that's what he's experienced from his parents is that they sacrifice themselves for him. And so he is very, I don't know, I don't know if biased is the right word. That's like a strong stance that he has. And so he's not taking into account, you know, that she was greatly weakened. She'd been abused for years and years at the hands of, you know, her father and brother, as far as we can yeah, see. I guess that's where I'm coming from, is, like, I don't, like, Harry doesn't understand the kind of, like, pain she lived in for years and years and years. Which is a little ironic, because considering, I mean, different levels of abuse and different kinds of abuse, but, I mean, his childhood with the Dursleys was no picnic. Yeah, but he didn't have, like, he didn't know, he didn't know his parents and lose them. 
Do you know, does that make sense? Yeah, who who did in this situation? I'm saying Marope like knew her was it her husband, I guess? Her husband, Tom Riddle. And then he left? Yeah. The guy So what yeah. Dumb, what Dumbledore is presuming happened is that she had him under some kind of spell or love potion and then stopped using it, hoping that he would stay, and he didn't. And then she basically died of a broken heart after that. Mm-hmm. Thanks, buddy. George coughed. Yeah, I don't know. That's uh, that's interesting. Like Harry's perspective on parenthood. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest of this chapter is basically, I wanted to ask you about the orphanage, what you thought of it, um, the circumstances that Voldemort grew up in. Did you have any pity for him after reading this? Uh, a little bit. I feel like it was written to make you feel, to make you consider... Voldemort maybe didn't have the best upbringing either. Kind of I mean, it sounds like, yeah, sounds like the caretaker of the place was a drunk and kind of spacey and uh, suspicious of Voldemort, maybe rightly so. But it was just interesting to see his like desire and hunger for power from such an early age right, and, and like control. domination. Yeah. yeah. And so that's where it gets hazy as far as was he consigned to a life of evil? You know, that was it just in, is it just in his nature or was part of a nurture? Hmm. Both. Yeah, both. both. I would say both. Yeah. Rachel. Yeah, probably both. So I guess we're we're kind of thinking both. <laughs> Listeners keep the score at home. Nature versus nurture. Just give a big old tally mark to both those sides. Um, any thoughts on the things that Voldemort did, or is, or were told that he did, as far as you know, hanging a rabbit from the ceiling, or taking those kids to see that weird cave, or anything like that? Are there any insights that you gleaned, or he's just fascinated with? like control and inflicting fear and pain. Like he has a bend towards evil. Yeah, which sounds like nature. Yeah. It's just kind but of- also, I think if he had been nurtured, it could have helped curb that a little bit so he wasn't the most evil wizard who ever lived. Agreed. Yeah, like my interpretation of Mrs. Cole isn't that she was necessarily mean, but she only has so much time and energy to pour into each kid. And only so much gin. I think that was... We didn't see her at her best moment. Dumbledore was purposely trying to loosen her lips so that he could sink ships. He wasn't pouring the gin for her. She had like four glasses in a matter of a 15-minute conversation. That's true. He put her at ease and he, he made it appear on her desk for her. So Dumbledore's an enabler. He enabled her in that situation to try to get the information he wanted. He, so he's he manipulated. He manipulated her there. Yes. Yeah. What do you think a Dumbledore suit? I want one. A flamboyantly cut plum suit. 
I like yeah. that Harry like made a face and Dumbledore was just like, stop. Yeah, that was me. Harry <laughs> was like nice suits, Harry. It was the seventies, Harry. <laughs> the eight things were different. <laughs> I picture because it described his hair as and beard as auburn, so I'm just picturing Mitchell's hair. Would you she say his auburn hair is auburn? Hair? Mitchell is a young Albus Dumbledore. Dude, <laughs> when we get to the Fantastic Beasts movies, we'll have some thoughts on young Dumbledore. Let me tell you. Played by Jude Law. Jude Law, a guy with a uh, bad hairline. Still a great actor. Respect. He still can work still thought of as attractive. Suit, still thought fanciable. Do you have who else is on this list? If you just can Jude just Law. it's just you it's just Jude Law. It's just Jude Law. He's it's my only hope. <laughs> um you got your you got your bald guys that are thought of as fanciable. You got your Sean Connery. Jason Statham. Jason Statham. The Fanciable? The Rock? I think there's other ships that have sailed for Braden vis-a-vis being compared to The Rock. I don't know. I get told that there's <laughs> a lot of similarities between me and Dwayne Johnson, like more than I would have ever thought. Like, man, if you just had like an awesome Samoan tattoo on your shoulders, I would have thought you were Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, I guess I can see Like, it. stop it. I'm just trying to get groceries. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get some freshetta. By the way, where are all the freaking freshettas? He's got. I just picture you with a cart. Whenever you go shopping, instead of Hannah, it's just a cart full of freshettas. I piled somewhat neatly, but then like at the top, it gets pretty haphazard. It's usually only like five or six items, and I'm like darting through the store trying to spend as little time in there as possible. You're not a big. You don't enjoy the grocery shopping experience. I hate it. Really, I do yeah, not mind I hate it. it. Do not mind it. I like getting a good deal. That's part of. That's part of me. I like seeing yeah. that I'm saving money on something. And you like to go because you think every time you go to the grocery store, you get a treat. I like getting a treat. So it's like, oh, I'm here doing this thing, so I'm going to buy myself something fun yeah. that I don't, isn't on the list. I have a, I have a, I think you can look at me and Braden and be like, one of those people has a different relationship to food <laughs> than the other. <laughs> Lifelong. Yeah, don't don't enjoy the grocery store. Huh. Well, takes all kinds, I guess. Um. So then finally, um, just impressions of baby Voldemort. Should Dumbledore have seen any of this coming? And then I guess what are your takeaways from young Voldy? As far as like we, how it's going to affect... I have already talked to takeaways, it, didn't we? How is it going to affect Harry's life in the future? What are your concrete... What are your brass tacks? Why are we, why are we seeing this? Uh, we're seeing this because Harry and Voldemort didn't grow up all that different. Okay. I guess just, you know, not just being parentless and kind of off to figure it out on their own. So Dumbledore's showing Harry this to connect him emotionally to Voldemort? I guess. I don't really understand why yet, but it seems like all the stories he's shown him, we've been able to, like, draw parallels between Voldemort's life and Harry's maybe I'm wrong sure but then the question is why uh, so that he can understand Voldemort on a more intimate level and therefore know how to defeat him okay vague but not unfair um, 
They go through a couple of specific things that Voldemort or Dumbledore wanted Harry to take away. Um, the thing about him not liking the name Tom. Because he's always wanted to be different. Special. Set apart. Um, I trust that you... This is on page 277. I trust that you noticed that Tom Riddle was already highly self-sufficient, secretive, and apparently friendless. Yeah, I felt like that was important that uh, Dumbledore pointed out that like a lot of the Death Eaters will claim that they are like his closest trusted, I don't know, minion or whatever. And Dumbledore was like pretty adamant, like they're not. He has no friends and wants no friends. I agree with that it could be useful um lastly his trophy collection thing uh, you we already kind of hinted at you think that's going to play into um maybe some of his tendencies as far as spying anything harry will be able to take advantage of uh yeah so i mean i feel like anytime someone is consumed with pride which i think is kind of what the trophy thing hints at mm-hmm um, you know, pride goes before the fall. Yep. Self-aggrandizement. Yep. So that's that's definitely useful. So I'm picturing- all these like character traits that he's he's gathering. I feel like they're not gonna directly, you know, implant the idea of like, oh, well, here's how we take him down then. But it'll be useful in the moment when inevitably he meets up with Voldemort miles beneath the school. So it's not like Harry's gonna look back. Harry's gonna be in the middle of a duel and be like, oh, I remember. That he I remember had, that you like trophies. Named Billy, and so that that's the key to unlocking this spell, or that's the key to, you know, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just like knowing knowing what Voldemort will make sacrifices for, what's important to him, how he makes decisions, and like, I feel like that's important in any kind of warfare, right? Yeah, know your enemy. Sure, I get that. Um, do we care about any of the specific trophies? The mouth organ. Or what, some string? A yo-yo? That's just a harmonica, right? Yes, it's just a harmonica. The mouth organ. I don't know. Uh, Dumbledore's quote at the end is weird. Very astute, Harry, but the mouth organ was only ever a mouth organ. What? I just thought that was weird. I don't really have anything else to add. You don't. You don't have any any predictions as to what that could be implying. I don't. I have no idea what that means. Okay. Fair enough, Mitchell. Rachel, any other thoughts? Ready for the next chapter. Well, I feel like you guys have gotten quieter and quieter as we've gone on. We're, this is a very long episode. Yeah, I realized we were, I was slowing things down a little bit. So <laughs> this I, is I, not a, not a never before seen long episode, but it is, it, it, we're getting up there. Okay, last chapter, Felix Felicis, a little less heavy. We're a little more at school, you know. 
One of the things the day-to-day stuff, Rachel. One of the things I really enjoy when like books or movies like Harry Potter or whatever is when they the characters are just having a normal conversation while doing like ridiculous things. Like when they were in herbology class and like trying to like I don't know, whatever they were doing, like milk's a plant or like get the pot out yeah, or something. Yeah, they had to reach into the stump and fight back its like crazy vine. Yeah, it was like they weren't even doing that because they were just like having their own conversation while it was happening. And so I just really like looking into that in like the character's world. I, for the first time reading this, was trying to figure out if there was a parallel between what they were doing and the conversation they were having mm. about like diving into a thorny subject and like trying to pull out, you know, pearls of wisdom or nuggets of truth from it. Did anyone mm. else? consider that possibility that's good i hadn't but that makes sense do you remember Braden, what they were talking about during that convo um page 279 and forward yeah uh the the um slug club meetings I think it starts off, Harry's kind of reflecting on the, the meeting with Dumbledore. Yeah. And they're just like, I don't know. I don't know yeah. what I need to learn about baby Voldemort. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then on, on 281, when they're talking about the Slug Club, we get actually specifically into the Hermione-Ron thing, where Ron's like, well, fine, your stupid Slug Club can go sit in a hole by itself. You can go be slugs with McClagan. And then she was like, well, I wanted you to be my slug date, but forget it. Yeah. Oof. And Ron was like, wait... I didn't mean it was stupid. I was I was just mad. And I didn't get much sleep last night. And I'm hungry. He is. He is hungry. What's your uh, ship name for Ron and Hermione if they get together? You're asking ship name? Raiden, right? Yeah. It's like, what? what's their Brangelina? Oh. Um... Ron Miney. That's what I wrote down. Her Myroni. Hey, that's a good one. <laughs> hey. You guys have been frozen for like three minutes and you just came back up when going, hey. <laughs> um, we're in, we've, so Ron and Hermione now have this awkward detente where they're like, yeah, we're just going to think about going on a date together and not talk about it so that we don't have to talk about it. And then... What happens next? We get some updates on the Quidditch team. Ron's been bad at Quidditch. Your thoughts on this, Brayden? Should have had a fair tryout for the keepers. Do you think that McLaggen would have gone better? How do we know? We don't. But he might have. And we'll never know because the tryout wasn't fair. So Harry tries everything. He tries to pump him up. He tries to make him mad. It's not working. So he goes with the old placebo effect. He does, yeah. Um, what do you think about the morality of that? Are you on Team Harry or Team Hermione here? Uh, I'm on Team Harry. Like, whatever you got to do to motivate your players, you know? 
different guys are motivated different ways. Ron's kind of a head case. And when he gets in his own head, he's useless. So, like, whatever, you know, you got to get him out of there. So that includes pretending to inject him with PEDs? Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is, the, this is the Quidditch Cup we're talking about. Yeah. Hey, it doesn't matter. As long as he passes a drug test, who cares? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Hermione says it's just as bad as it. No. Oh, my gosh. No. Boo, Hermione, hater. <laughs> uh, moral compasses. No, it's not back. even close to nearly as bad because all you did was prove to Ron that he doesn't need that stuff. I agree like with that's that. just innate ability yeah. inside. It him. ended up being a really cool like, like a uh, basically leading Ron to his own confidence. Yeah, it's like, it's like, like a if, managerial tactic. Yeah. Yeah. If you were in your head about lifting weights, and then I was like, here, here's some steroids. And then the next day you came back and you're like, man, like, I can really feel those steroids. And I'm sitting there like, man, can you though? Because I didn't actually give them to you. And then you hit a, hit the weight you were supposed to try and get. Mm-hmm. Then I didn't, I, nobody did anything wrong. All I did was boost your confidence enough. Yeah, I think I agree with that. But then Ron gets mad at Hermione for implying that it was bad. Because she's like, oh, you think you can... Because Hermione's like, the only reason he performed well is because he thought he was lucky. And he's like, oh, so I can only be good at things when I'm taking steroids now, Hermione? So I, I think that Ron's response is unwarranted for me. Yes, it is. Because all Ron had to say was, so when I'm clear-headed, I perform really well. Yeah. That's all That's all you're saying, yeah, Hermione? Ron, Ron's being a little sensitive. Yeah. Well, and let's circle back to the snogging. I think Rachel can get back in the conversation here. She doesn't care about the Quidditch so much. She cares about the snogging, though. So much snogging going on. So Harry and Ron walk in on Dean and Ginny snogging. They both have reactions. What are they? Raiden and Rachel. Harry wants to murder Dean. Why? Because that's his future wife that he's snogging. Uh, so and we're still Ron has... Yeah, yeah, I don't know why you still think that. Because it's what happens. And then Ron is obviously really, you know, just the older brother in him comes out. I get that. I don't have younger sisters. I need you to – you both have younger sisters. Walk me through what Ron's feeling here. Extreme anger. Rage. (laughs) If you guys are in Ron's shoes, what do you do? Fight. (laughs) Seriously? Yeah, dead serious. How old is Jenny? 15? Yeah. And the guy she's making out with is 16? Yeah. That's yeah, a that's whole enough, 12 months. That's enough of the reason Get out. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys, you guys' sisters have only dated boys that are exactly their age or younger? Yeah, it has to be I within the so. same month. Are you, uh, how much older than Hannah are you? Uh, it's only like... Three or four months, but like years in wisdom. Yeah, we're just me and Brayden are gonna have negative to years discuss in discuss this. Hannah's later. a nurse. You don't get to claim wisdom over her. So yeah, I uh, deemed Ginny Snogs Magogs uh, because she's just you're calling. You're referring to her as a Scarlet Woman. I mean, she just doesn't care. She's just a like whatever. I mean, she's proven herself last year in the DA, like being able to whip out spells better than the boys. She's whipping and, like, something out. She just, um, yeah. I mean, Ginny's just always been able to defend herself, even against her brothers. And, like, you know, she's been able to put up with them. So I'm not worried about her. 
I understand like the brotherly responsibility of it, but also it's it's just gonna happen. Well, she. I mean, this is not right, as an older brother. You don't walk in on your younger sister snogging and being like, "Dean, what's up, dude? <laughs> you making out my like? Sister? Hey, don't let me interrupt. But when you guys are done, like, let's go hang out. Do you want to watch the the game or something? Okay, so you. I don't have a little sister. I, I don't know. What I would picture a reasonable response would be is to be like, whoa, and like back out of the room. And you take him with you. <laughs> and then maybe later you're like, come on, like we're in public, Ginny, like this is what we're doing. But what yeah. he does is like flip out on her, call her a whore. And yeah, she's I wouldn't like, do that. And she's like, oh, just because you've never kissed anybody, you think anyone that does... <laughs> Yeah, so that's where Ron goes wrong here. You, He needs to defend her in that situation. She's not going to like it. She's going to go against it. But, like, he doesn't – there's no reason to go at Jenny here. But so his actual stance should be you're not allowed You're not allowed to kiss boys yet. No, his stance should be, Dean, I think it's time for you to leave. Forever? Get out. Like it's time for you to break up with Jenny? Just, just get out of the room. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Interesting. That's – so, so, and if Dean has any is kind Ginny of is doing something wrong, Ginny's not doing something wrong. Like, I don't think she's doing something wrong. But as an older brother, you're just like, I don't want to see that. Right. So, on, so Dean. So who is it on to leave? It's on Dean to leave, not Ron. Yeah. Dean. Percent on Dean. To Dean leave. should have enough sense and, and like just awareness to be like, yeah, I'm gonna. Head I back. agree with that. I agree with that. Is that they not what that. he does? After like. Dean was it, looking it, not embarrassed, and then he's like, "Jenny, let's go." Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's not leaving. He doesn't need to take Jenny with him anywhere. Okay, page two eighty-seven. He needs to take it on himself to be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to my room." Page two eighty-seven. Mitchell is gonna be Ron. You're gonna be Dean. Rachel's gonna be Jenny. I'm gonna be the narrator at slash Harry. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna narrate starting at the bottom of page two eighty-six, and then. That first oi, that's going to be Ron. Okay, Mitchell, so get ready for that. That's your cue. It was as though something large and scaly erupted into life in Harry's stomach, clawing at his insides. Hot blood seemed to flood his brain so that all thought was extinguished, replaced by a savage urge to jinx Dean into a jelly. Wrestling with this sudden madness, he heard Ron's voice as though from a great distance away. Oi! Dean and Ginny broke apart and looked around. What? Said Ginny. I don't want to find my own sister snogging people in public. Fair. This was a deserted corridor till you came busting in. Said Ginny. Dean was looking embarrassed. He gave Harry a shifty grin that Harry did not return, as the newborn monster inside him was roaring for Dean's instant dismissal from the team. Uh, come on, Ginny. Let's go back to the common room. And scene. So I think that that's a pretty reasonable reaction from Dean. You think that he didn't leave soon enough? I think there's no reason to invite Jenny to come with you. Yeah. I think I think he should have picked up on the fact that Ron and Jenny need to have a conversation about the whole situation before he's like, you know what, let's go snog over there too. Okay, I see where you guys are coming from. He should have yeah, had, like, what I did some more that tact. give Ron? Yeah, like, hey... Your brother's here. Let's go somewhere else. Let's get a room. <laughs> so he should have shown more tact yes. and realized with the situation. 
Yeah, like his situational like, awareness here sucks. Leave and be like, hey, I'll talk to you later. As a younger sister, Rachel, where do you weigh in on this? Not the context of your brothers, but just put yourself <laughs> in Ginny's shoes. I mean, I think that she and Ron can talk about it later. I don't think that that was necessarily a discussion that had to happen at that moment, just because like Ron was pretty hot and heavy, heavy going into it. Wow. And so like, she just like, oh, okay, like I'll see you later. Like I don't think it was a discussion that had to happen immediately. But she wanted to hit back at Ron and be like, freaking Ron's out here kissing Auntie Muriel. Hermione kisses freaking Crumb. Bet you didn't know about that. Famous Quidditch player. Yeah. Been kissing Pigwidgeon. Um, so you guys are Team Ron here. Yeah. I mean, I'm just not on Team Dean. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Um, where are we at with Harry? We've decided that Harry's marrying Ginny. So that's why he's jealous. Okay, so... We've got we've got this whole situation. Plus now Dean is on the Quidditch team. Are we worried about that? Because Dean's making out with Ginny, and they're both on the team. And Ron and Harry. It's a love pentagon. <laughs> now nah, Harry Harry will take care of it by pretending. I don't know. To I don't know that he will. Um, yeah, sure. Any thoughts on the Quidditch match itself? Or alternately, Braden, thoughts on Harry's strategy for putting, pretending to put the Felix Felicis in the pumpkin juice. We talked about that. I like that move. No, not about the move itself, but like how he did it. Like he purposely, he tried to be obvious enough that Ron wouldn't notice, but that Hermione would be the first one to notice and played off of Hermione's assumed reaction. Yeah, he did it tactfully. He thought it through. He didn't just say, hey, Ron, we're going to cheat. Here's some Felix Felicis. Right. He thought it through more than that. Honestly, some of Harry's best work. Yeah, yeah it is. Was this. Yeah. I felt like using Hermione's like moral compass against her <laughs> was, was clever. Works out. Um, they win the match. Win the match. Got a W. And you're like, earlier you were like, no, this team isn't going to be very good. And then they stomp their first match and we're not, you're not excited for them? I just think there's a, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that could crash and burn pretty quickly here. So this is like the 2019 Warriors. Yeah. The 2011 Heat. Yep. Um, Okay. And then we do have some match aftermath. Um, We get a little more snogging. So as things stand right now, where do you see the the group dynamic? Harry, Ron, Hermione, we've got Lavender, we're making out, Hermione's crying. Walk me through all that. Um, I mean, you kind of just walked through it. <laughs> no, I want you to walk through it, Braden. That's the point of the pod. What do you think I, about I, it? There's a, just a lot going on, and I think What's going the on? only way that Harry, Ron, and Hermione are effective is when they're a cohesive team. Mm-hmm. They need they they're they need all three of each other to 
be able to have a chance against Voldemort and the Death Eaters. So this is not good. So how do we get back to that point? What's the plan? We kill Draco. Um, Killing Draco is going to help the snogging with Dean situation and Lav? <laughs> Lav I don't know. Maybe we just take it easy on the emphasis on snogging. Like, it seems like everybody's just like itching to snog. <laughs> I mean, they're 15, 16, 17. Yeah. We just need to focus more on Quidditch. What's best for the team? Okay, that's what I'm saying. How does that happen? Does Harry be like, okay, as your captain, I'm going to need you guys to like have a platonic relationship until the end of the season? We just... Yeah, we need to hold off on relationships till the end of the season. Don't bring that crap in the locker room, you know? <laughs> yeah, because they share locker rooms. It's unrealistic. <laughs> they do. Lavender, I mean, Lavender's not on the team. Like, but that's going to get, like, that's messing up the Hermione vibe. So, but, you, I mean, there's two sides to it. There's, you said the trio be not together. That messes up not just Quidditch, but also the Death Eaters. And so, like, how does this run in Lavender? You think it's just a fling and they're just going to get bored of each other in a couple months? And he's going to come crawling back? I think Ron's just excited that a girl finds him attractive and he's excited at the chance to snog. Who among us hasn't especially, been there, you know? Especially, especially after Jenny's comments. Yeah. So he's so, spite snogging. Spite snogging. Who among us hasn't been there? Yeah. Me, Rachel. I haven't been there. Don't lie, Rachel. Hannah, I don't have to. Never happened, bro. Um, do so. You you just see this fizzling out on its own. We don't have to take drastic measures. Harry's not going to have to pretend to spike her Ron's potion. Ron's something with love potion to so he'll fall in love with Hermione and then realize he actually loved her all along. I don't think so. All right, so we're just moving forward, not very worried. Um, do we care about Snargoluff pods? The angry tree they were dealing with in the beginning. Um, I don't think so. Not really. Seemed like just an interesting write-in, you know, a funny, weird thing in the magical world. It's just a metaphor for the entanglement of teenage relationships. Exactly. All right. Is there anything that we missed, Rachel, Mitchell, that we should be caring about from these four chapters? I know we kind of just sort of breezed through them, just only hit the highlights. I just think it's going to be interesting watching the dynamic of the group moving forward. The four of us. They're just all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how Draco and Joshua goes, <laughs> just in terms of podcast success. Yeah, just with them and, like, feelings are hurt and how they're going to manage, like, just being around each other. Yeah, if any of the hormonal stuff is going to end up affecting the broader, like, good versus evil plot line. Yeah. Maybe Hermione, to get back at Ron, goes out with Draco. They would make a cute couple. I could see that happening. We would love to hear from you guys. Call 978-768-8370. 978 Potter0. We'd love to have you call in. We'd love to have you email us, mugglesperspective at gmail.com. Hit us up on the Insta or um, Facebook. 
We'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on what we did and did not cut out of this episode. <laughs> your thoughts on frozen pizza, <laughs> your thoughts on Mitchell's <laughs> hair. Please, uh, Mitchell, can I get, uh, where can people follow you if they're interested? On Instagram, Twitter? Uh, yeah, Instagram is the only thing I have. Okay. Uh, my man Mitch, 1998 yes. <laughs> is, is the man username. Mitch, 1998. Um, get some good, we can see what's going on with his hair, see what's going on in his love life. He's a, he posts a lot. Currently non-existent, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm trying to get people to go look at your Instagram, Mitchell. Gosh. Hey, the room. There you go. Bean. Um, you can keep up with Braden exclusively at on this podcast or by being in his one fantasy football league. Uh, Rachel, where can people uh, keep up with your comings and goings? I respond to the Facebook and Instagram messages. For the most perspective? Yeah. What about your Etsy shop? Uh, yeah, at 4612 underscore shop. I'm on Instagram there. If you want to see pictures of George, you can follow me on Instagram at Rachel underscore Mayor. Yeah, pictures of George. A lot of pictures of George. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you to our guests, Mitchell and Rachel. All the chills. Chill. Harry Potter and chill. That's what uh, the title. Snogging and chill probably is going to be the title of this episode, be my guess. I thought it was going to be fanciable. Something about fanciability. Hey, bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. See ya. Bye. See you later. Bye.